0: Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Well, great. Good to have you all here today and, and those who are also watching online as well. Uh, we are continuing in our origins series, and today we're in Genesis chapter 4, and we'll, that's what we'll be looking at. But before we dive into it, I just want to pray for us. I'm, I'm Cody, by the way. If you don't know who I am, I'm the connections pastor here. So let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, uh, we just come before you, and God, we, we just want to uh, just say thank you. Thank you that we are not alone, God, and that you truly do love us, and we thank you for your son for coming and dying for us, Christ, and, and uh, Lord, we, I just come before you this morning knowing that, Lord, I can't do this without you, and so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will lead and guide me today. And Lord, we know that people come in with all different things going on in their lives. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us all just focus on you and your word. And Lord, that we would be changed and transformed by it. And we ask for your anointing power in that process, God. And we, Lord, we know we're not the only church in Bella Vista. So specifically today, God, we want to pray for, the, for the, the Village Bible Church. God, would you just touch their pastor, touch their leadership, God, and what you're wanting to do in and through their church, Lord. And, and we just ask this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, uh, pastor and Bible commentator Warren Weersby once wrote, Shakespeare was right. We have many roles to play in life from time to time. We relate to various people and confront circumstances the important thing is that we let God write the script, choose the cast, and direct the action. If we disregard Him and try to produce the drama ourselves, the story will have a tragic ending. Last week, Pastor Joe introduced us to the start of this tragic story. And that is Adam and Eve, who were tempted in this, by Satan in the Garden of Eden that resulted in, in the fallenness of man. But by it, them eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they they partook of that which caused sin to enter the world. So this is where we're going to be picking up today. And so if you have your bibles like I said, we're going to be reading through chapter 4 today uh, as we go along. But I want us to have this thought as we go through it today. And that is that having a heart of worship affects you and others. Okay? That having a heart of worship affects you and it affects others. So let's go ahead and and begin by reading verses 1 through 5a today. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man... And this is going to lead me to my first point today. So if you're taking notes in our app, this is probably a good time to write this down. Your attitude in worship matters to God, okay? So we're introduced early on to these two characters, Cain and his brother Abel. Now Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. And verse 3 tells us in the course of time that these two men each both brought the Lord an offering. But something interesting happens, okay? And that is Abel's offering was accepted, but Cain's was not. Now, you may have wondered, why was Cain's offering not accepted, but Abel's was? Well, the Hebrew word suggests that uh, the offering represents a gift of homage or allegiance. So the gift was meant to be given with a heart of faith and allegiance toward God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, gives us in, insight to in, by stating, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. See, I believe our attitude in worship matters to God. Amen? Uh, Just as Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice of his faith, faith has a direct connection with our attitudes, okay? And as Martin Luther once pointed out, that faith of the individual was the weight which added value to Abel's offering. So Abel's offering was connected to a heart of faith, whereas Cain's offering was not connected to a heart of faith. What you really see here is that both the givers and their gifts were under the scrutiny of God, and Cain's offering honestly just didn't measure up, because the text subtly shows us here that while Abel brought his uh, his best to God, Cain did not. See, Cain chose to keep back some of his best produce for himself, while Abel actually brought the firstborn of his flock and even their fat portions. Cain only brought an offering, the text says to the Lord. So you, you have to think, what was Cain thinking, right? Was this the first time that, that both of these two boys were, were bringing an offering before the Lord? We don't really know, but for whatever reason, Cain does bring his best to, Cain does not bring his best to God, but Abel does. See, Cain's heart was not right before God. God tells Isaiah in Isaiah 29, 13, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And see, it's in the same way, it seems Cain was willing to come near to God with his mouth and even with his lips, but his heart was far from God. And that will be apparent in the upcoming verses that we'll read together. See, Cain was more interested in doing life on his terms rather than on God's. Perhaps Cain just didn't trust God to bring his best to him. From what we will read shortly, Cain seems to be very self-focused. His heart is actually full of deceit, maybe even lies, anger, and even murder and lust. His desire is actually for himself and not for God. So he brings an offering hoping that it will just somehow appease God. But it's not an offering that's birthed out of relationship with God. Rather, it's a cold and heartless offering. Abel's offering, on the other hand, was born out of faith. It was born out of a heart that truly wanted to worship God. It also cost Abel something. See, it cost him the firstborn of his flock, which probably meant that it was the largest animal that, that Abel had. And the fat that was used to offer to the Lord probably could have been used for cooking or even for lighting, maybe other ways as well. See, Abel understood what was truly required of his offering. And he seemed more than happy to supply God with the appropriate offering needed. And I would say Abel understood realistically the relationship. See, he trusted God to supply for his needs and to take care of him. What about you? As you think about your own heart this morning, do you believe God is going to take care of you? Is he going to supply you with what you need? How's your heart toward God today? Do you worship God in spirit and in truth? Would you say that you're bringing your best to God? Would I say that I'm bringing my best to God today? Or do we just show up to church once or twice a month and call it good? Friends, today we all need to ask ourselves this most important question Does my heart long to worship God? Does it long to worship God? Can you say with the psalmist David, uh, as he does in Psalms 42.1, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so so pants my soul for you, O God. Perhaps maybe you could pray something similar to this. Oh, how we long for you, God. Oh, how we need you. God, forgive us of our distracted lives, our lives that think we can just appease you but not really love you. Bring us back. Deliver us from ourselves so that we may experience right relationship with you again. Could you pray that prayer? Friends, hear me today. Your heart of worship unto God will not only affect you, but also others around you. As we read this next section, we have to keep in mind that sin has just started for humanity. We are only two generations in, and sin is already a big issue. Yet, as we'll read in this section, it already is going to have dramatic effects on the people. So, I want to pick up and read verses 5b through 16. It says that so Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So as we pick up here in verse 5b, we notice that immediately after Cain's offering is rejected, we have to keep in mind that this offering was offered to God in front of his family, more than likely. It was offered in front of Abel. And whoever else may have been on the scene, we don't fully know. I mean, the whole gang was there. So if Cain was somehow playing just the religious game, he, he was found out. He, and the text doesn't tell us how the family responded, but we do see how Cain responded and also how God responds to Cain. It says that Cain became very angry and even despondent. But notice who makes the first move Toward relationship. Is it Cain or is it God? It's God, isn't it? Isn't that just who God is? God revealing his mercy. Revealing who he is. God does, the literal translation is that he became very hot. Meaning he burned with anger. And secondly, his face fell means that he became sad and despondent. Now, we don't know who Cain was fully angry at. Could have been himself. Could it have been Abel. Could it have been God. Perhaps it probably may have been all three at one point. But the verse doesn't tell us. But what we do see is that God, like I said, God's grace and mercy on display here. See, God is not giving up on Cain. In fact, he says, if you will do well, will not your offering be accepted? I mean, what he's saying there is that, uh, that, that if you do well has to do with the thought if your heart is right and you do what's asked of you will not your offering be accepted Cain See it seems Cain that God is showing Cain it's not too late you have time to turn back but then God gives Cain a dire warning if you do not do well sin is crouching at the door it's desire is contrary to you but you must rule over it he says Here you have God telling Cain what's going to happen if he doesn't repent, if he continues to allow anger to rule over him. And the actions and consequences of his sin will continue to become worse and worse and worse. And the imagery here is that of a lion crouching and lurking at the door. And it's this attitude of his heart was sinful rather than worshipful before God. But God is is telling Cain that he can still have a heart change even though he's done this. If he repents of his sin, things can be different for Cain. Unfortunately, Cain chooses not to respond to God's call of repentance from what we can tell. But rather he nurses the anger and the jealousy toward Abel. Have you nursed anger and jealousy in your heart? He, he comes to the point of even plotting and going through the murderous act of killing his very own flesh and blood, Abel. And we understand why he did this because First John 3.12 reminds us of why Cain did this when he said, We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil. And his brother's righteous. See, Cain allowed sin to have its way within him. He didn't heed God's advice. Rather, Cain was allowed allowed sin to rule over him rather than him rule over the sin. And God's question is about where is your brother is is similar to the same type of question that God asked Adam in the garden in chapter three, when he asked, Where are you? Because really, it's, it's a relationship question. And just like his father Adam, there is no remorse from Cain for his sinful deeds. From all accounts, Cain chose not to repent, but rather lies even to God and even boldly defies God by asking God, am I my brother's keeper? Truly, the lion has not only awoken from the lair, but is violently in charge now. And Cain's heart is so full of sin and rebellion. Instead of worshiping God, now sin and his desire of wanting to do it Cain's way has truly consumed him. And ultimately God is going to curse the ground, which is ironic because Cain's occupation was working with the ground. Now the very thing that that Cain sought purpose and fulfillment in has become cursed by God. And Cain responds ironically by saying, Cain said to the Lord, in verse 13, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Isn't this ironic from Cain, right? (laughs) Because it seems Cain doesn't understand the repercussions of his sin till after the fact when he's being punished. Sin has caused Cain to not only be a murderer, but now everything that brought him purpose and fulfillment in the past, he's now lost. He even seems to regret not having the relationship with God when he says, from your face I shall be hidden. Now, he will be a wanderer and a fugitive and even fears his own life will be taken from him. But God, once again, shows mercy to Cain by putting a mark on him. We don't know exactly what this mark was. But it seems, by all accounts, from what the text tells us, that it was visible to other people because Cain didn't get killed. And then verse 16 says that Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. What a traumatic or just a tragic statement that is. I mean... Uh, to think that he's leaving the presence of the Lord, never to return to it. And as we continue to read through this text, we will see that the lack of Cain's worship will affect his very own lineage. So I want to read now verses 17 through 24. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujel. And Mahujel fathered Methusel, and Methusel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other, Zillah. Adah bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, your wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So what we see in this section of Scripture really is a detailed genealogy of seven generations after Adam and how they conducted themselves and what their valued interests were in. And the point that I want to make here is that your worship affects how you lead the next generation. See, by the time we get to Lamech's family tree in particular, we see how sin is running rampant. And one commentator, which is, is kind of long, so we'll uh, bear with me, quotes it like this. Only seven generations from Adam, a complete number of generations, and sin has come to full fruition. Human beings boast about their power to defend themselves. They don't need God. They don't need His law. They themselves will decide what is good and what is evil. They can be gods for themselves. This is the sin of Adam and Eve. Only far more defiant, with their cultural developments, they can fend for themselves. Only seven generations, and humanity has disintegrated from a world where God was worshipped and adored to a world where humans think, they think they can live without God. And as I read this, I thought, "Wow, this is very similar." to our day and age today wouldn't you agree the fact is if that if we choose to go at this life alone without acknowledging and worshiping God then we better be prepared for the repercussions of such transgressions and we are seeing that I believe center stage right here As we have become increasingly more secularized over the past few generations, sin is now having its way within our very own country. Friends, I believe it's time that we become worshipers of God again. Amen? Rather than just making America great, let's make America worship God again. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Where it's not just a Saturday night or a Sunday morning event, but rather a lifestyle that truly loves and honors and reflects God again. Because it's true, our worship does affect the next generation. Notice Lamech himself changes God's mandate of marriage between one man and one woman. And he didn't need a Supreme Court to do it. He goes from one man and one woman by adding two wives. And then Lamech's boys were the fathers of those who dwell in tents, who play musical instruments. They're the developers of all the bronze and iron instruments. As far as the world was concerned, they had put their mark on the world. They were very well known in their culture. They were YouTubers. They were Twitter uh, influencers. Yet there was one aspect that they were missing from their culture. And that is they didn't worship God. They didn't seek or call upon the name of the Lord. And that affected how they led the next generation. Sure, they could have told you the, how, the best way how to, to be a businessman or an agriculturalist or play musical instruments or uh, bronze iron and all those things. But there was one thing that they were lacking they didn't know how to seek after God. For God was truly not on their lips, nor was he in their hearts. And Cain himself left the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, which is ironic because it means wandering. Therefore, he and his family remained wanderers. For truly, only God, friends, can settle these wandering hearts that we have, as the old hymn says, prone to wander, right? If Cain could have been a follower of Jesus, if he were a follower of God at that point, a worshiper, I have to believe that he would have been settled. He would have found an anchor for his soul. Because I believe, like ships without a harbor, are the souls of men who try to live a life apart from God. But yet, there is hope. Right at the very end, almost as if it's just a footnote in the text, we find God's plan for humanity's salvation was not all lost. And in fact, it would come through the line and lineage of Seth. Those who would recognize their need to worship God. As verse 25 and 26 states, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Out of the lineage of Seth, born Enosh. And verse 26 says that people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, Enosh's name is interesting because it actually means weakness. Now you might be wondering, why does the word weakness, why is his name weak? Well, friends, I truly believe when we realize our weakness, then we are finally able to understand our true need for God, our true desire to worship God. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, even gives us a picture of this in Responding to what Jesus had said to him, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So there's something very powerful about the fact that Enos' name means weakness because I believe Enos understood that he couldn't do life on his own like his uncle Cain thought he could. He needed God. He needed the hope that's only found in God. Because of his influence, I believe, people began to call upon the name of the Lord to make God central in their lives again, as verse 26 tells us. I mean, what a different legacy that Seth's lineage had versus Cain's. Cain's legacy was that of someone who thinks they can somehow do this life on their own terms, where they call the shots. They think they can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They don't think they need to be ultimately worshipers of God. But Seth's lineage is different. He may not have been the one who built, built the cities or supplied the best music or able to build the bronze uh, instruments, but he was able to help people understand to become worshipers of God. And I have to believe in the eyes of God, that just means more, Amen. So here's a question for you. How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as a Cain-like figure who's just trying to do it all on their own, no need to worship God? Or maybe you want to have a remembrance like a figure of Abel, Seth, or Enosh, where people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. And for that, friends, we must ask, how is your worship affecting the next generation? See, right now at this very moment, as we set up here, right below us is the next generation. So what if your service once a month in our children and youth ministries was a determining factor for the next generation to call upon the name of the Lord? Wouldn't that be incredible? Think about it. Hundreds of youth would be able to call upon the name of the Lord because you chose to worship God by serving in our children's and youth ministries just once a month even, providing an example for how to worship God with the next generation. Wouldn't that be something? I believe there's some out there that want to do that. So for our ride home today as we have learned it didn't take long for sin to take hold within the human race. As Pastor Joe has said last week, sin is a disease that doesn't skip a generation. And how we see that right on right at the beginning of the fall. And at the beginning of the fall, we see two different human trajectories come into view. One that will try to do life on their own, standards and set of rules. And one with the help of the Lord will be worshipers of God. See, there's no end to this snowball effect of sin apart from Christ. It has to to be within us that we decide, okay, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to come after you, and I want to help even the next generation. Because, see, sin is in all of us. But thanks be to God because of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came and lived a sinless life for you and I going to a Roman cross and dying a sinner's death so that that we all deserved and then raising to new life again, overcoming death, hell, and the grave. And now providing each and every one of us with the opportunity to worship God in spirit and in truth by becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And I have to believe Jesus was on that cross believing that his sacrifice would be worth it. Because of all the generations of worshipers that would truly worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. That's you and I, friends, if you're a born-again believer today. So rather than disregarding God and trying to produce the drama ourselves, will you return to worshiping God And allow him to write the script, choose the cast, and direct the action. For truly, I believe, having a heart of worship affects not only you and I, but also the generations to come as well. So how about, let's be worshipers of God, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you we thank you that you have supplied the way for us to become worshipers of God, not only here on this side of eternity, but also into eternity, God. And we're just so grateful for that. And Lord, if if someone out there doesn't know you, but wants to become a worshiper of you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them. Touch them, God. Lord, and for all those out there who who may be, be coming back to church maybe for the first time or in a while and and just trying to get back into it god i pray that you encourage them today god that they can they can have an attitude and a heart that just wants to seek you and and then help them god to even think about the next generation god it's in christ's name that we pray amen